0: You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach.
2: So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. I'm, yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas on this hot July day. I hope everybody's doing well uh, going through this, uh, these difficulties with COVID and, and many of the uh, exciting initiatives that are happening in our world right now. Um, And we're staying safe and uh, not going insane by all the push-me-pull-yous that are hitting us. Um, Today, I welcome a a person who's going to show us um, how to to live elegantly and uh, powerfully. um, And I think that's really needed right now. Uh, She is a regenerative designer. Uh, Ariane Burgess um, is a passionate facilitator. Uh, for transformative learning, and uh, especially for people who are wanting to respond creatively to the crisis points currently converging on Earth. And I think we'll all agree there are many crisis points currently converging on Earth, and we want to be creative about that, yeah, not reactive. Um, she's also um, active in various social and eco-awareness programs, and as been in, in New York City um, doing various programs for a number of years. We'll find out a little more about that in a minute. And uh, now it lives in Scotland at the Finthorn Eco Village, uh, which is a beautiful place. I visited there a few years ago when I took my sabbatical and we went to Scotland for nine weeks and uh, thoroughly enjoyed visiting that place. She also teaches through Gaia University. And a new book is entitled Life Design. For women, and I want to say right now, I'm not a woman, but I got a lot out of the book. So, um, even though it's designed for women, it's it's for anyone really, because I found some of the uh, techniques and the the, the designs and the, the the outline of the domains that are mentioned in the book uh, very practical for me as well. So, but it's called Life Design for Women: Conscious Living as a Force for Positive Change. All subjects that are very pertinent. In our world, in our life today, so it's a joy and pleasure to welcome Ariane Burgess to today's show. Welcome, glad you're with us.
1: Thank you. It's uh, really uh, brilliant to be here um, to talk about these, uh, talk about this, this challenging times, and my offering to possibly a way through the complexity of it all.
2: I'm not sure if you uh, wrote the book before all this started. You know the recent. Uh, COVID-19 and the BLM and all that that's happening right now. But it it couldn't have been even more, it's more pertinent than ever, isn't it? It's uh, the book, it it becomes very fascinating because it directly uh, addresses some of these issues, which is which is very cool.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that. Yes. No, I wrote it. I wrote it last year. It's been a long time coming. Uh, It's come out of my kind of primary passion, which is the planet and nature and, you know, this is our home and what are we doing to it? But I, I I, think that the what we're doing to the planet, then, you know, all the other pieces kind of add up to or kind of connect with that. And um, it can be very difficult when everything is up, as it is now, to navigate the way, you know, a way through. Uh, so that's why I love design. I love design systems that can help us simplified complexity so we can get a perspective it's not about you know these are very complex issues and they're rooted in uh, history which we might get into a bit Uh, but sometimes it's necessary to have some kind of framework or structure to help us work through things so that we can keep moving forward and not get lost in it all
2: right absolutely well it, it seems there's almost three books in one you know in this book you know the first one is like you said your, your uh, commitment to nature and eco awareness and, and and that sort of thing and and then also the the, the 21 um, domains and the seven or the five realms right and t- 21 domains that you you explore about all of our lives you know the the, the various uh, ingredients in our lives and then the third one is the life um, life design process itself which sort of interweaves of course into the domains but but stands uh, separately as a a technique of approach. So let, let's look at each one because uh, I think they're all they're all fascinating. So tell us a little bit about your background in terms of the work you did in um, New York City and 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 current work. And I understand you're, you're now involved in politics, right? You're a member of the Green Party of Scotland um, and and active in that as well. So to give us a thumbnail of, um, of the work you've done.
1: Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, so at some point when I was living in New York City, I became very involved in, well, so actually it started with the, a, a piece around belonging, which I think is something that's also up right now for many people. And I was actually working for a while in New York City with Latino immigrants who had fled uh, oppression uh, from South America, South and Central, Central America. And I was actually working on a film with them. So we were, were doing this film about their kind of stories of their experience but we actually used uh real people in in doing the film and so i got to meet them and hear their incredible stories of what it took to arrive in the united states and i thought well i it was very easy for me to come there and i at the time i didn't think that i was leaving anything you know any kind of oppression economic or political oppression in leaving scotland um But I started to look into the whole idea of belonging and sense of place. And uh, I came back to Scotland and I learned about the Highland Clearances, which is a time of history in Scotland, which I never learned about in school. Mm, Interesting. Uh, When I arrived back in New York City, I was talking to somebody about that. They said, oh, you've been gone for a while. And I said, "Um, yeah, I was learning about the Highland Clearances. And they said, well, the clearances are happening right now in this city. And what he was referring to was the community gardens that had sprung up in the city over 30 years. And now all of a sudden they were being threatened um, and uh, with, you know, with being bulldozed uh, for housing development, but not like housing development for kind of like wealth and kind of like, um, yeah, for making, making profits. Gentrification, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So. I started to engage with the community garden movement and it was a really incredible experience. The most, you know, because it, it, it's a, it's a place, the gardens in the city is a place where everybody comes together. Uh, there's no economic exchange to come and you can just connect with people from all walks of life. And it was just a very wonderful experience. And that's where I started to realize and open up more and more to the importance of nature and, and connecting to it and growing our own food. And I remember one day I was sitting in a community garden in the South Bronx, eating a plate of, eating my lunch. And it was a splendid plate of food and everything on that plate had come from the garden I was sitting in. And I thought, I've arrived. That's amazing that that's possible. Um, That garden has gone, it still exists and it's gone on to nurture so many young people. Um, It's called Brook Park. And, yeah, it continues to this day. So that's really where I kind of, yeah, started to feel the importance of nature. And Life Design for Women is an invitation for more women to get involved with, with with kind of connecting to nature themselves, but also examining our lives. And And you said it at the top. This book isn't just for women, but I focused on women because I'm a woman. And I felt like I could speak more easily to maybe some of the issues that women face Uh, So it's an invitation to women to engage, but I think we all need to engage in, for me, primarily the, um, you know, what's coming right at us with climate change, you know, no matter where you, there's lots of, you know, climate denying and so on and so forth, no matter where it started, it is with us. I mean, there's not a day that goes by with another report of permafrost melting or of freak temperatures or some freak weather pattern. And if we don't respond to it, there isn't going to be any kind of future on the planet. So this is, you know, I think this is the number one piece for me and goes hand in hand with the terrible loss of species that's happening um, across the planet. And, and you know, this is being caused by humans right now. And this is, again, you know, life design for women is like, can we look at our lives? What are we willing to, you know, um change and design differently i I was also trying to reach people who are into the kind of whole goal setting thing and i think that the dominant i talk about that at the beginning of the book the kind of dominant worldview is inviting us to be consumers and that's you know almost a religion in a way in in the united states certainly that's what i started to feel when i was living there and, and and actually, we need to shift away from that and really look at, you know, how much do we really need? How much more stuff do we need in our lives? And to start to understand the worldview that, you know, the kind of the the system of worldviews that are underlying what propels us to keep on consuming. Um, I, I feel like that's a place where we really need to kind of look at that, uh, start to identify our own worth and our own value out with the stuff we have and the amount of money we have and start to just see each other for our own intrinsic worth of being human or being plants or, or animals and that we all have a place here on planet Earth.
2: Yeah, very, very well put. And and I think this is the crux in a way of much of what's going on with, with COVID, right? It's it's the idea that there's, that there's a certain part of the population that wants to get back to normal which is like you said become you know consumers once again get out there and back into the restaurants buy stuff whatnot and then then there's another part that says well wait a minute we, we know we have an opportunity to reframe this maybe we don't need this endless consumerism right and uh, there's a new way of doing things and a shift in value again we see it with the you know the black lives, uh, movement and, and other entities that have, of social justice, you know, saying, well, maybe it's time to rethink who we are, you know, as a nation or as a people of this earth, you know, that um, maybe we don't need to be lifting up people, you know, that, that, are, that are not the representative of, of, of freedom in some way. So we have all this breaking down of statues or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's always going to be somebody that says, no, no, we, we want to honor our history. And I just read a book by Robert McFarlane, who's a wonderful uh, eco writer. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him; he's a Cambridge yeah. professor. Um, but he read a lot of books about that seem to be set in Scotland because he's fascinated with the uh, with the Scottish landscape and whatnot. But uh, there was very moving passages in his, his recent book I read about the clearances. You know, and if, if folks, if you're listening and not sure what the clearances are, it was a movement basically by the English to to remove large amounts of uh, people from their villages throughout the Highlands of Scotland, so that the, so that the uh, the landscape would be turned into uh, moorland for for red deer and grouse, so that the the hunting and shooting uh, factions of, of English society could enjoy themselves up there, and uh, a lot of uh, the farmers became crofters um, on the periphery on the coastline, or oh, many of them just left, and and then many came to America, of course, and um, Many came to the empire and and were leaders in in, um, uh, in lots of endeavours. We have lots of scientists that came out of Scotland. Um, disproportionate amount of, of you know geniuses have come, you know, in in difficult circumstances. And that's another thing I want to lay out. And, and I'm sure you'd agree with me. You know, it's it's in extremists that sometimes the best of humanity comes forth. Right, so. It's, it's not about denying or saying, oh, well, we'll just go back to normal, we will be okay. No, maybe the, the crisis is the, the growth point, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the opportunity for creativity. I'm just going to go back and pick up a little thread around the clearances because in my understanding when I did the research, it's not that necessarily the English. Um, it's more that it was people with wealth and power that, mm. uh, that pushed people off the land. And in some cases, it might have been scottish people so there was a layer of betrayal in the history but each it it didn't it happened differently in different parts of scotland um but um you know so just to kind of catch that i think that this and for me this is the piece that is starting to deepen in my thinking i touch upon it in the book and life design for women and i Realise, gosh, I missed a few things out in some of the earlier parts where I've got this chapter called Context Matters, because, you know, if we want to make a change in our lives, what I'm saying is that sometimes it's difficult and it's not actually because of ourselves, it's because of the systems we live within. And that's why we need to really understand the context. And what's really showing up for me, it's a strong word and it's a triggering word, but the word that's showing up for me is exploitation. And that word is there for me because that's what our current way of life is built upon, whether you live in the United States or in the UK or other parts of the world. The fact that I can, you know, um, live in some level of kind of comfort and it comes out of roots in, in exploitation, exploitation of the land or of of people. And that's where we need to get really creative because I think it's possible for us to live on this planet together without by and and taking exploitation out of the equation so that's the, the the creative invitation is how do we do that how do we um you know live in community live well um eradicate poverty all of these things um you know the all of these big crisis points I think it's possible. I think we have the ingenuity. It's like we've been focused on things like sending people to the moon or, you know, Mars probe. But let's, let's look at this planet. Let's look at home. Let's look at this place that there's nowhere else in the universe that has been identified where humans could actually live right now. So this place is so precious. And I think you're right. Coronavirus has given us this moment not all of us because i am really aware of a lot of people in around the world who are you know have just all the healthcare professionals who have been under tremendous amount of pressure and all the people who are living with covid and suffering from it but there are those of us others of us who have been given the opportunity to actually say yeah we need to be doing something differently and of course you know, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, they came up, welling up through the middle of this to let us know that absolutely we need to be doing things differently.
2: Right. And it's not about politics. You know, um, we, we, uh, uh, the show that comes from a, a, you know, non-denominational church and, and, um, we're, we're very careful not to be political and it, it doesn't have to be about politics, right? Because this, this is about, um, some deeper issues here that, uh, we want to gather all people together ultimately, you know, whichever side of the political spectrum they're at, right. It's, it's, uh, it's something for humanity to deal with and, and not to get into partisan uh, politics around it. And I think this is hugely important as long, as long as we choose off into one side or the other, you know, we miss the point of, of the crisis that we're, we're at, right. That if we're going to solve these difficulties with, with uh, climate change and, 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 and overpopulation and the other pressures of this world, then we have to come together, um, despite our differences of opinion about certain subjects. And and that's what I'm, you know, hoping that is going to happen is that that our common humanity will will shine forth. And what's that's what I like about the book. I think is that the book um, talks about values that we all share. You know, it we all deal with. The same uh, truths and verities. We all want to love our kids. We 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 all want to live a valuable life in some way. And and that that's that's that transcends, uh, you know, sectarianism or partisanship. It's it's all about what we what we value with depth. And I, and I think the book's good. are uh, good about that is is uh, examining what what do we really what do we really value, you know, um, in our lives.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we could go in a few different directions there, but I just want to I I do think it is political and it's really interesting coming back to live in Scotland because I live in a country now where there's actually, I think, five political. I should know that because I am a member of the Green Party uh, and actually hoping to be elected to or, yeah, intending to be elected to the Scottish Parliament uh, this time next year. If we spoke again, I might be an MSP. But, uh, you know, it's so interesting to come back to scotland and live in a country where there is more than two political parties so there's a, the the nuanced approach we have um an aspect of proportional representation here which means that more perspectives can get a voice in in how things are shaped and even though we have we have five amazing green msps in the scottish parliament right now uh, six of them um They have actually, just six of them, have been able to influence policy in terms of climate change, in terms of um, species protection and things like that. Um, So I think there is an element of politics, and I understand why it's important to keep things out of the political realm. And I think that's maybe more so the case in the United States because you have this kind of two-party situation that's never... Um, you know, hasn't really no other parties been able to make a make headway um there. Right. But, there, you know, I think there is there are policies and decisions that are made that actually make it difficult for people to live well in the United States.
2: Right. Well, let's leave it to that, because like I guess that I don't want to <laughs> go straight into the yes. political arena on, yep. on our show because I'm, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to, and um, and yeah. Well, anyway, let's just move moving on. Yes. Um, so, uh, h- how is Finthon these days?
1: So, uh, actually, newsflash: I I've actually um, just recently moved away from it, but not very far away, and I'm still connected and involved in uh, supporting some of their their work. Um, so they. You know the so, Findhorn is also a complex place because it's more than a one place. Um, so there's the Findhorn Foundation, which is the org- organization that runs a lot of amazing spiritual trainings and personal development trainings, and then there's the community, which I would say I was more involved with. And the reason that I went there was because community to me is. One of the interventions into what's going on, if we could start to find ways to rebuild community and live well together and share uh, pool resources, that's going to be one of the key ways through navigating these these challenging times. because um, what is it? I think uh, if everybody on the planet wanted to live like everyone who's prosperous, as say, in the United States, We'd need five planets. I think it is four and a half or five. Uh, So, you know, that's not possible. So that's where I come to the kind of idea of sharing more. So in Findhorn, I'm almost actually even living in the town nearby, can be a member of a car share. And that's fantastic. So I don't have to own my own car. And there's about 15 cars shared between 120 people so and it's an amazing system and i think there are models of 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 car share type systems in the united states like um i think i used them before i left but that's just one example of you know pooling resources where we don't all need to have one of everything or five of everything and that and that's you know the book is inviting us to examine the different as i say realms of our lives so kind of um I started off with an in invitation to look at um, nature and death as the two, like what I call core realms, like looking at our relationship, how we are with nature, and how we are with the idea of our own mortality. Those are like, if we can start to look there, I think there's a lot of gold. And then I move into well being. I've got eight domains within the well being realm. And I started there because I feel like. Well, hopefully we have the most decision making power over our well-being, which is, you know, the food we eat, how we exercise our bodies, how we choose to connect spiritually, uh, what kinds of thing intellectual pursuits we want to have, types of recreation. And, um, you know, what, what do we want to do for downtime? Hopefully we have um you know the choice to make those decisions and then the realms go further out so we go to the realm of a homestead where we might be sharing a house with other people our family members we might share land with people and then it goes to then i go to relationships at that point so i've given we do quite a lot of work looking at our own well-being and our environment in our homesteads and then i go to relationships And then after relationships, we go to exchange, which is livelihood, our relationship with money, and then community. So that's the realms in a nutshell.
2: It really covers everything in our lives, doesn't it? Pretty much. And you know, um, from the spiritual to the physical to the emotional to, you know, how do we we deal with uh, other people and, and and a larger community in general? So yeah, there's, there's something for every, everyone. And what I particularly like is these little quizzes that you have, uh, where you ask questions about, you know, you, your your presence within those domains. And, and we'll talk about that when we when we come back from the break, because I thought that was one of the more valuable things in the book. Talking about community, and I'm involved with a community in West Wales, which is a spiritual community, and they put up a lot of their stuff uh their pujas on. Um, on social media and that's been wonderful because you know you can have community even though you're five six thousand miles away you could be connected to that that place and that's one of the blessings I think of of, um, of our modern world right that we, we could we can have community in, in new way in new ways that we couldn't have had before so that that's exciting for me particularly
1: yes it's wonderful to be able to connect in with people of who have similar values in that way right. yeah.
2: yeah exactly Folks, uh, we're with uh, Ariane Burgess. He's written a, a book called Life Design for Women, Conscious Living as a Force for Positive Change. When we come back after these uh, messages from Unity, we'll talk about the various um, elements of the, the, the realms and the domains here and, and how pertinent they are, and then the life design process that enables us to, to take these ideas and, and make them active in our lives to, to move from reflection and observation through discernment to to acting because we know it's easy to talk about stuff but we want to put it into practice in our lives so Johnny, said in a couple of minutes enjoy these messages and we'll be right back
0: Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
1: We now return to world spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach.
2: All right, welcome back. To today's show, I'm with uh, Ariane Burgess. We're talking about her book, Life Design for Women. Before we jump into the domains, I just want to quickly look at uh, the, the process here, the life design process, to engage each of those domains because um, she invites us uh, to reflect and observe, first of all, um, and, and then begin to envision and define. And, and finally, once we've done some gathering and selecting and deciding, uh, we act, right? So so those are the sort of five areas. Um, and I think it's important, isn't it, first of all, to spend time just reflecting, uh, observing and reflecting, right? We, we some, Sometimes it seems like nothing's happening, but there is that gestation process that happens in our willingness to sit back. And I, again, I feel we're in that process in a way with, with COVID. It, it's given us the opportunity to to stop and to think you know and and I know a lot of people on the front lines and and in essential services they haven't got much time to observe and reflect they're, they're still busy but but they still are involved in this whole process of um, things are different now and and I think that's imp- hugely important in it because we can't really envision something if we don't have to uh, don't spend time just stopping and being right, reflecting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So actually, so so the design the um, design process has this nice word, arida. It's like some kind of nice, I don't know, dance or something. So arida is, as you say, observe, reflect, envision, define, and act. And the invitation is to observe our lives right as they are in the moment. And so you you apply the arida on each of the domains. So for example, I might want to look at the domain of what I call the nourish domain, which is the food that I'm eating and maybe you know what I'm choosing to drink. So I would observe my life in the present moment. Um, and I give these, as you say, these quizzes or these prompts, these and journaling is a big part of the book. So the invitation to journal around you know what's what's not working and I invite these questions and one of them always throughout the book is the question, what am I, basically, what am I doing in this domain and how does it impact the planet? So it's one thing to kind of think about, you know, what am I doing? But as we start to think about, well, in relationship to what's happening on the planet, we start to get the juices flowing around, the changes that maybe we could start to make. Then the invitation is to reflect. So to reflection for me is, yes, we can reflect in the, in the present, but reflect on our past. Where did we learn these things about the food we're eating? Like when I stopped eating meat quite some time ago and my mother still to this day, she'll say, where do you get your protein from? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the invitation there, you know, and it's, you know, the information has come, you know, that actually you can get a perfect, uh, amount of protein from a plant-based diet and um so so it's about this kind of like where do we get these these this information that our lives and our values are built upon so and i think that we need to do that work because if we just start to make changes certainly myself if i just rush into something and i don't get the underpinning of a change in the world view and an understanding of like Oh, I got that messaging because of, you know. Oh, I've been told I have to get a certain amount of protein, and it has to come from meat, for example. So, that's the 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 reflection bit is kind of going back and thinking, finding out where did we get these ideas from our childhood and our family, and some and that's not to, you know some of these things we got from childhood and family and school and the the systems we grew up with, church. Some of those are wonderful. But it's not, you know, an unexamined life is something that we can no longer afford to have. So then um, after we've done the um, observing of our present and the reflecting in our past, then the invitation is now. Aha, now we get to envision a future self, a future self that is an ally to the planet, uh, a future self that is stepping outside of this paradigm of exploitation and a future self that yeah, wants to ensure that there is a future not just for our grandkids but for seven generations and beyond. So that's the invitation to start getting creative and envisioning how we can show up in those different aspects of our lives. Then um, after we've envisioned because there's 21 domains that's quite a lot of kind of getting lots of ideas um, of possibility you can't do all of the I wouldn't advise to you know come up with loads of things I'm going to change and then do them all at once because well I don't think that's healthy for anyone's well being. So define is about making some decisions. I like actually you said discern. I really like that. So we're discerning what is the thing out of all of the domains that we've looked at, all the ideas we've come up with, which one or two, possibly even three, am I actually going to act on? And then there's a little process in there where you kind of actually hone it down into something that's really tangible that can then be taken uh, into life and the changes start to be made.
2: Right. Excellent. And, and I love the open-ended or open-hearted as well uh, nature of this, right? That um, it, it, some, some to-do lists or some uh, life planning lists you know, a, a very uh, powerful, but they're they're also kind of rigid in a way. And, and I like that this this is grounded in uh, flexibility. So it, it, it's 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 open, open ended in that sense, right? So and I like that because I'm probably likely to do it if I don't feel confined, right? If if I'm if I'm invited to be expansive with something, and and uh, and so I can see myself working this, whereas some programs I'll start and then. I'll fall by the wayside because I find them too, um, I don't know, not rigid so much as um, it's too intently focused, you know. And um, I, I need something a little more, um, I, I, hate the, I hate the cliche, outside the box, but, but uh, the, the idea of um, I learn in different ways and we all learn in different ways. So there, there needs to be flexibility around that.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about the design structure. I love design frameworks. I use, so I do some land-based projects. I've started a forest garden um, here locally. And so I'll use a a similar structure, slightly different, but it's got the observation piece in it and this idea of spending protracted time just watching the landscape. So in a way, we're with the ARIDA framework, this life design framework framework, it's an invitation to observe our own internal landscape and also our kind of personal landscape right around us, you know, how have we formed it and and to start to kind of understand what is the soil that we have started to grow ourselves in and how do we we kind of change the pH of the soil? Um, Because that's, you know, it's like that kind of fundamental place that needs to be changed. So yes, the framework is wonderful because it's a framework that has a lot of space within it for you to pull in. So I, I focus on written journaling, but somebody could choose to, you know, someone who loves to use a lot of color and make art could actually just, you know, make beautiful artwork of their observations of their life or their, of their reflections. And so it does have that openness. Um you you could also even you know maybe people who are listening who like to do shamanic journeying you know you could even do that so it is open in that way.
2: Yes, which which is uh, attractive, I think. You know the the core realms that you present in um, uh, or core domains, or the, or the, you call it the core realm, right? It yeah. has na- nature and death, and um, I th- I find that very powerful too because. Um, I've noticed during the the shut lockdown time that I've been involved in, um, you know, my my focus on nature has been enhanced. And uh, just watching my garden and the and the sky and, and the the shift of the seasons, etc. I've always been very attuned to nature, so it's it's been there for me. But but I've deepened that process, and it's been very profound the the, the way that mother Mother Nature works. Um, and and I love the, what you have to to. Ask us you know in in the nature quiz because you ask things like um you know what's 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 north of you um what's the local river and where does it enter the sea you know which are the plants that blossom first in the spring, which birds are the resident, which are migrants or whatever and it's like i don 't think about it mm yeah okay you've got to really pay attention right to to notice these things, but when you do, you see so much, it seems to me you know you become Aware that there is so much value all around us, you know, uh, just in the the various plants and animals that inhabit our our local environment, right? So this is a value that is not based on uh, commodification, you know, consumerism. It's it's based on the joy of just noticing what's already around us and and the value of that. And I, maybe you can call me a soppy romantic or something, but. Uh, these things seem very important to me, you know, that, that nature is not just a resource to be to be mined and exploited, but but it's a wonder. Right. It can teach us just looking at insects. We learn so much. You know, there's this um, and we know martial arts and yoga is based on obs- observation of animals and and insects, you know, and how they move. Uh, so it, everything's connected in that way. And I, f- I found that a wonderful uh, base for the exp- exploration of the of the various domains
1: yeah i i think the reason i put them right up front is because they're the so they being nature and death is because those are the the kind of two areas of our life that maybe many of us are disconnected from and i and i think that there's there's a key there to to, to explore that and it's so interesting because as coronavirus started to, another little theme that I play around with in the book is this idea of becoming sovereign of our own lives, right? So becoming the queen or the king or the, the, the you know the the decision maker of our own lives. And coronavirus is the the crown. So here we are being crowned with the coronavirus. And what does it bring? It brings us into a, a you know, to face our relationship with nature. And on the other hand, to face our relationship with death. My partner, he actually got the virus. He's not had it in an extreme way. He's not had to go to hospital, but he's been living with it now for 90 plus days. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like there was a moment uh, there where it was frightening because we didn't know what was what was going on, you know. Um, So we've been fortunate and, you know, there are families who've lost loved ones through this. And so it is a very confronting time. And in that confronting time, as you've said, there's this profound deepening of slowing down, nature coming back, uh, nature showing up in the cities, um, us starting to understand that in in a way an opportunity to reweave our relationship, not with something other but something that we are actually part of. And, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was um, living in the United States was this idea of the sacred hoop. I learned that from Native American people. So the idea that they see all of life is part of a sacred hoop and that humans are not on the, you know, we're not the apex animal. We're part of this sacred hoop. And the work that we need to do is to mend the sacred hoop. And that is by putting ourselves in the right place, which is is in alignment with all that lives on the earth, uh, rather than dominating and exploiting.
2: Yes, absolutely. Great. And, you know, if one part of the hoop is, is broken, then it, it impacts the, the whole of it, right? And and that's something that uh, we have to understand. We're, we're a holistic uh, holistic beings, uh, you know, on a holistic planet where everything's connected, and that's hugely important. You know, the, de- some people may balk at the idea. Oh my God, death! I have to look at death, and like you said, it's something we want to avoid. But, but really, uh, you know, they say that the spiritual path is is eighty uh, percent. You know, how do we approach death? How do how do we uh, creatively and healthily uh, approach the fact that you know what who we are is. Uh, Physical mind bodies, you know, is, is a temporary thing. Um, because I, I think once you can come to terms with that, then you can be, begin to be fully alive, right? Um, yes. I, I think it was uh, Crazy Horse said, you know, as he woke up in the morning, he said, today is a good day to die. And and he another great Native American. And he, he wasn't saying it because he was a nihilist, you know, or whatever. He was saying it because. I am fully alive, and so being fully alive, I can die. You know, I don't want to die unaware. I want to die fully uh, present to who I am. So this is a great day to die. In other words, here I am. I'm fully, fully present um, on this planet, and uh, and that's a, a radical statement, isn't it, to say that? Because oftentimes we say, "Oh, wait a minute, I'm, a, I'm not hardly alive. I don't want to die yet." You know, so, so fully alive is a rare phenomenon, I think.
1: Yes I, th- I think it takes work it, it's a kind of a practice and a discipline to be to be really fully alive and I, and I think that that acknowledging that you know with our birth the, mo- the the kind of only thing that we know about our lives is that it will come to the end. We will leave this physical body at some yeah. point and we don't know when that's that's also part of the great mystery. But I do yeah. think looking at it, is a is a really important step to coming into, to to uh, regaining some of our life force you know reclaiming it from that fear or that you know that thing that we don't want to look at and and, and I guess that is a, a big piece of the book is this invitation to look at all the all the parts of our lives all the you know things that we push off to the side and through doing that we reclaim our life force from you know the, what we don't want to look at the relationships that are, you know, we've got energy tied up in relationships that are challenging, challenging us, or we've got our life force, you know, tied up in loads of stuff that we've got that, you know, is just piling up in some part of our house. So it's a kind of really an invitation to look at that because I I do believe that going forward, we need to be uh, as best as we can, the energetic, vital, Aspect of ourselves that we can find and of course that's going to be different for everyone because we all you know have a different approach to that but i think that you know to navigate what's what's going to you know continue to occur on the planet and if we really are going to take care of this home then we need to kind of come alive to to be able to say what he said to be able to say that today is a good day to die
2: right absolutely uh, shifting forward a little bit there's a chapter on adorn and the uh, the well-being realm right and yeah. it, this this speaks to me in terms of the word you used earlier which was exploitation you know there's nothing wrong with wanting to adorn yourself um whether that be physical or in your home you know um uh, adorn your body with jewelry or whatever um but but it's such a balance isn't it because so often we we do that, and then, and of course, this book particularly addresses women. And, and we do it not for ourselves necessarily, but to uh, please somebody else or please a, an invisible standard of perfection that uh, we've been entrained in, 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 you know, over the over the years. And that's different, isn't it? There's there's a difference between being uh, attractive, you know, it, if, from that welling up of expression of creative expression and and doing it because we feel we have to fit in or something and um, that that's that's a tough one I think especially for women sometimes
1: yeah I I I think women have been particularly targeted targeted around you know fashion and having to look a certain way body Mm -hmm. body image and all that kind of stuff but I do see I, I actually was just looking at um a wonderful website uh this afternoon with lots of images of young men and young women um and and i i was like what's different about this none of them were wearing makeup and it was just like yeah great you know and i think that that's um you know people are beginning to wake up and realize they don't need to be primped and plucked and tucked and you know um i think there's you know i, I and of course i of course, if you go on Instagram, you will see all of that. But I my hope is that more people will realize that that's not um, necessary to be valued and to, you know, to be loved and to belong. And that, and that actually really coming back to our natural selves is, uh, again, going to be a part of it. I mean, part of the reason I touch on the whole clothing industry uh, in the adorn section is because, you throw away clothing, the amount of clothing that people, the speed with which people are buying clothes and throwing away is, is frightening. And, and what we don't realize, I think maybe people don't realize is this interconnectedness that if I buy a shirt or a dress or whatever and wear it once and toss it away, there's so much energy and materials that have gone into and labor that have gone into creating uh, that garment and then to be used once or to be used for a season, it just, that's no longer sustainable. Right. And, and I, think I, I, think I, I just wanna actually, because we're coming to the end, I just wanna bring in the piece that you talked, you know, you mentioned that I'm a regenerative designer. So I do wanna get this across to people that um, there's a difference that's emerged. We used to talk about sustainability in terms of environmental sustainability, we've got to sustain the planet. Well, the problem with sustainability is that actually we've gone past the peak of so many natural systems. Um, Nature's systems are overloaded. Fish is one that's often cited as, you know, on the verge of collapse, Uh, never to, you know, never to return. But climate change is another one, right? We've gone past the boundary. We're pushing past the boundary of a livable temperature on the planet. And all the things that start to happen because the temperature rises, the the melting of the ice caps and the changing of the the quality of the oceans, so on and so forth. So where we need to go is to become a regenerative culture. We need to all become regenerative designers. And what that means is, how do I, as someone who lives on the planet, meet my needs while allowing nature to regenerate her natural systems, so that's, that's the kind of like underlying piece in the book is the invitation to start looking at how do we make the changes that mean that the natural systems can actually catch a breath and get a break. And in a way, coronavirus gave that to us to some degree, not enough. It wasn't long enough, but it gave us a little insight into what happens if we just back off and chill out a bit.
2: Well, and you know, I think during April, the CO2 emissions uh, lowered by five percent or something like that you know as a result of you know cars and 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 other machines not being used so much and it it wasn't necessarily the the airplanes i think people were surprised by that it was the sheer amount of of internal combustion engines that weren't being used at that stage you know yeah. so it, yeah. it does show you the immediate results of you know us shutting some stuff down right and it gives hope for the future because I think you can use those measurements as, um, uh, you know, a, a, as an influencer on on future decisions. So, so that's that's imp- that's important. I think. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so we got a few minutes left. What what would you like to share with us that we haven't covered yet? Because we can't cover all the domains, obviously. But uh, is there something you want to leave with our with our listeners?
1: I think the, the, the piece around taking the time to slow down and to observe life and to reflect is, is one part. Um, to, I, I think also not to get into the guilt. It's like, that's a really tricky bit. And I notice when people start to try to do things to save the planet, which is actually not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to just ensure a future for everything that lives on the planet because the planet will evolve. But so I think that... Um, yeah, slowing down and taking that time to really, to really, um, you know, give yourself that space to to look at how you want to design your life to go forward is is one part. The other piece is I, again, I write about this in the book. To me, it's not just about us making life changes. We can be very powerful actors, but we do also need systems to change, and that is beginning to happen where businesses are changing their business models. Uh, we need more of that so it's a it's a both and it's coming at this situation from from both ends of it because i can only do so much by myself and and collectively we can do more we can make changes but it's like there's only so much recycling and stopping using plastic and things that i can do Uh, the systems need to change the way in which things are packaged needs to change the way in which Products are made needs to change so that we're actually not polluting rivers to make whatever it is you know make a washing machine or whatever um, you know so that's it's it's the book says start with you or start with me uh, but it also leads to community and the next book will be about community and and kind of like larger scale systems changes because I think it's you know it's not we can't just do it all by ourselves.
2: Right. Excellent points. And folks, if you want to get hold of the book, it's, it's available in all the u- usual outlets. Uh, it's called Life Design for Women, Conscious Living as a Force for Positive Change. If people want to get in touch with you, is there a good uh, contact address?
1: Um, probably the best way is that there is a contact link on my website. So my website is arianneburgess.com. That's A-R-I-A-N-E, burgess.com. All right, and very
2: good. Yep. Let me tell you about next week's show, and then we can say goodbye to Ariane. Uh, next week, um, I welcome two other British uh, authors, Lynn Pink Pinknett and uh, Clive Prince, and they can dis- discuss their new book. It's entitled "When God Had a Wife." That's a that's a good title. "When God Had a Wife" about the fall and rise of the sacred feminine in the Judeo-Christian tradition. We've had many shows talking about the divine feminine, and um, we see it alive and well in Hinduism and and certain aspects of Buddhism, but it's beginning to come back in in Christianity, too, with the Black Madonna and and other instances of the feminine, which we need, because we are both male and female, and so is God, right? So when God had a wife, um, or when God had a husband, maybe, it would be an even better one. Um, But (laughs) anyway, right now I want to thank... um, Arianne Burgess, for being on the show. What a pleasant and wonderful experience it has been.
1: Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. Bye-bye now.